bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name, still, to call the sea to still, the rage in me to still every way. At your name, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, call these bones to live. Call these lungs to see once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your name is alive. That the shadows can deny Your name cannot be overcome Your name is alive forever lifted high Your name cannot be overcome Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble shadows can deny your name cannot be overcome your name is a light forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome your name is a light that the shadows can deny your name cannot be overcome Is alive forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus. Jesus, your name is the light that the shadows can deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is the light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is the light. That the shadows can deny Your name cannot 
the cross Your name is alive Forever lifted high Your name cannot be overcome Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Oh 
of a city called glory so bright and so fair when I entered the gates I cried holy all the angels all met me there they carried me from mansion to mansion and oh the sight I saw but then I said to see Jesus the one who died for all I bowed on my knees and cried holy I cried holy, I clapped my hands and sang glory, glory to the Son of God, as I endured the gates of that city I cried holy, 
I clapped my hands and sang glory. 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 I clapped my hands and sang glory. For thine 
kingdom, and thine is the power and the glory forever, forever. Is a blessing to be in the house of the living God. It's always good to be above ground today, amen. Won't you go with me this morning to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Yesterday we had a great time at the concert. We were You know, part of it was canceled due to the rain, but we had probably over, a little over 200 people inside there in that that building, so it was a good concert. Uh, But we'll be playing again here in Rockwall uh, October 31st on Halloween, so you guys mark your calendar. I know you're not going to go trick-or-treating, but you guys come see some stain red, and we'd appreciate that. But we'll let you know where the church is. I think it's closer to fate, but we'll get you some addresses and stuff, and we'll appreciate all the support and Kathy and Buddy for coming out there yesterday. That's a long drive, but it was a great time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. And if you would this morning, please stand for the reading of God's holy scriptures. Now, my paper says Colossians, but my Bible is saying Ephesians. I better flip on over a little bit more. There we go. If you got your place, say amen. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, first of all, for such a beautiful day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a country that we can live in, that gives us the freedom that we can worship you as we please. But Father, we come humbly before you this morning because we know that God with you, we can do all things, but without you, we can do nothing. So Lord, we ask you just anoint this service and speak through these lips of clay. Holy Father, if you would please hide your servant behind the cross and Give him the word of wisdom and knowledge from above that he may speak what you lay upon his heart, Father, and just uh, forgive him where he fails you, Lord. And I ask God just to move in the mighty name of Christ upon each and every one of us, Lord. Father, help us to hear this word you've given us and help us to take it to heart and uh, apply the things we learn and to share the things we learn with other people outside this church. We love you now in Christ's name and God's people said amen. And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord Almighty. Now, this morning when I give you the uh, title of the sermon, I'm going to give it to you here in a little bit, 
But when I give you the title of the sermon, you're, going, you're probably going to be questioning why is this the title when it seems like it has nothing to do with the text. But I promise you, as I begin to elaborate on what God has laid on my heart this week, you, you'll finally see, and it, it'll all make perfect sense to you why the title is, is the way it is this morning. So if you were here last week, you should remember that we, we mainly spoke about how giving to God what belongs to God and to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And the strange thing about it is that even though we, most of us works our entire life and we store up things that, that we think belong to us, but in reality, everything actually belongs to who? It belongs to God. In other words, we're just basically given a stewardship to see how we handle his business. And one of the greatest treasures of all is that you and I belong to God. Hallelujah. If we're born again and saved today. And so the Bible teaches us, Jesus says that since we belong to God, that we should love the Lord God, Matthew 22 and 37, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your so and with all your mind. In other words, everything that we are, inside and out, we should try to devote that to God because it all belongs to God. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, he says, you, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your, your bodies. But our text says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord and not for men. And so here's where I want to shift gears this morning. I want to bring up some facts about some things that, that are showing us or pointing us and telling us that we are approaching and entering the end times even as we speak. In fact, as you know, Jesus throughout the Gospels has given us many facts to be looking for it, to be looking for that shows us that we are approaching the end times. But even in the Old Testament, we find verses that tells us about the coming of God. For example, Micah 1 and 3, we shared this last week. The Bible says, look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He's coming down the tread on the high places of the earth. And we learned last week that the high places of the earth was not actually talking about the mountains and the hills but it's actually talking about the pride and the arrogance of, of all those people who think they're all that in a bag of chips and who don't really need God in, in their life. Come on, amen. And so when God comes down upon this earth, he's going to tread upon those like the wine press. And we know that the blood will flow to the bridle of a horse. Amen. It's going to be an ugly sight. But, but you and I, we are the picture of the valleys. Christ is coming to fill those in the low places. That's why we always teach the word of God that we are called to be humble individuals and keep ourselves low before God. But we're going to look at a few signs that Jesus given us in the word of God that shows us that he's coming back soon. First of all, Jesus said that, that many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And unfortunately, we, we see this in our world today. We see many individuals who call themselves 
Christians. In other words, they're trying to proclaim that they bear the name of Christ, but the reality is they have nothing to do with God. In other words, they're just using that title as something to make them feel better, to make people like them maybe a little more, but in reality, they have nothing to do with God. In fact, there have been many individuals throughout our generations who have claimed to be Jesus himself. I found there was a man named Alan John Miller. There was one named David Shaler and Todd Ken Cannon. These three gentlemen claimed to be the Christ. And we know these guys were not the Christ. Our Christ was 2,000 years ago, came from heaven, died on the cross, and on the third day rose again according to scriptures. Can I get an amen? But I like the words of Isaiah. He says, they, they confess me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. Some more clues to be looking for that Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be nations rising up against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. Now, we know there's wars taking place all across our world today. In fact, America's part of that war. But here's something that we really don't look at. Kingdoms rising up against kingdoms. And, and I'm always thinking of, of worldly things when I think about this, but, but in a spiritual sense, this is what we need to see. The kingdom of darkness is rising up against the kingdom of light. Have y'all seen that lately? It's like everywhere we go now, they're trying to take Christ out of everything. Come on, amen. Out of our, out of the courthouses, out of the schools, everything. Jesus has been removed. You can pray, but you can't bring the name up of Jesus, the name that's above every name. So we, we see that the kingdoms are coming against kingdoms. They're coming against us, the children of light. Jesus said there's going to be famines and pestilence and storms and plagues, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. But today, we're going to be looking at something else that I personally believe also points to his second coming. But before I share this, let me share one more sign of his return. This should help you understand where I'm coming from. The King James says in Matthew 24 and 12, and because of iniquity... Everybody say iniquity. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Wax cold. Everybody say wax cold. Now, think about the light of a candle. You think about the heat coming off of it. When a candle is lit, the wax begins to become soft and pliable and, and, and you can move it you can do whatever you want to in it but when it the light is out when the fire is gone the wax becomes what cold and stiff and because of iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold in other words we're living in a generation where the love of many have grown cold have y'all seen this All you have to do is take a drive through Rockwall, and you'll see that the love of many have grown cold. People do not have 
the compassion it seemed they once had when we were younger. It seems like people do not really care about one another the way they used to. But now you and I, we're in this world where everything seems to grow cold. And the more that the virus has spread, the enemy is doing his thing. It seems that people are being divided. We're all in our own little worlds and, and even in the churches are, 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 are getting shorter and smaller because people, the love is growing cold. Are you with me this morning? And I believe this is the greatest sign of, of a Christless generation today. It's a sign of the lack of love. Paul says in Galatians 5 and 13 to us, you and I, he said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but rather serve one another in love. When I stand up here on Sunday mornings, I I do this for one reason. It's not because I want you to see me and think highly of me. I don't do it for a paycheck. I don't do it for no other reason but for my Father in heaven. I'm here because of him. I was saved because of him. It was his love that drew me to the cross. It wasn't people. And it's the Christ, my Savior, who keeps the fire of God burning in my heart. It's something that you cannot pretend to have. When you have it, you know it. When you don't have it, you wish you did. Come on, amen. I don't know how to explain it, but it's a real thing inside of you. Jesus tells us in Matthew seven fifteen through 17 to watch out for false prophets. There's a lot of pastors out there in this world today whose love has grown cold, could care less about others. They, they come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, and by their fruit you will recognize them. He's, Jesus said, do men pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Now here's where I'm going to blow your mind. Today's message is entitled, Living in a Christless Generation. In other words, a world filled with people without the Christ. A Christless generation. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, it's pretty hard to find people who really love Jesus. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, I know you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with do everything you do? Do it unto the Lord. Well, it all starts right here, Sammy. If I go one more time through a drive-thru and I get home without my french fries, come on, amen. If I go one more time and I said I want I want baked chicken and I come home with fried chicken or they leave out my salad dressing on my salad, pastor is going to snap. You're going to be reading about pastor of Millwood Church <laughs> doesn't call to Jesus meeting at Chick-fil-A. Come on, amen. <laughs> because I tell you, it's this generation today 
who are blinded to the love of God that they could care less about how they serve you and they surely don't care about serving God. And it shows by their work ethics. Right now I can bet you that Sammy can say, you know what? It's hard to find good help. And the reason is, is because many people are lacking the essential inside of them that would cause them to love their job. And that is called Jesus Christ. Because you and I as Christians, we're different than the people that we work with. They may not know that we're Christian, but they know something about us is different because of the way we handle our business. I don't care if you're washing dishes at wherever. If you're a Christian, you have something inside of you called the Holy Spirit that, 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 that spurs you to do everything you do as working unto the Lord. And so, man, you're cleaning dishes like this is the greatest job because you have an attitude of gratitude. You're not only thankful that I'm saved, I'm thankful that I got a job, I'm thankful that I got a paycheck, I'm thankful. While we're living in a generation of crisis individuals who could care less, and you and I are having to work our way through it. And so we go home from Chick-fil-A. Or from wherever else without our french fries. And that's irritating. At least it is to me. Because I'm thinking how hard is it to fill an order? Cut the fries. Okay, no fries. No problem. Extra mayonnaise. No problem. Double dip. Here we go. It it couldn't be that hard. I've never worked in that situation. But I I guarantee you we can figure it out. Amen. Amen. And, and if <laughs> I would make sure that when people got home, they were happy to come back to that business. But most people could care less. And I'm going to prove to you this morning about good worth ethics. And so let's start with the king. The king of kings, the, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the creator of all things. The Christ, Yeshua. Let's start with him. Now here he is, he has the highest authority on this earth. And if anybody had a right to do nothing, it had been Jesus. But but what we find in the scriptures is that Jesus was a carpenter. Now what's interesting is that people do not recognize you by your work unless you do a good job. Come on, amen. He works it somewhere, but, but when they, when they identify you as that, that, that means your work speaks for itself. Now, our scriptures doesn't actually tell us that Jesus built this or built that, but, but when individuals refer to him as the carpenter, that simply says something about his work and his work ethics. Mark six and three, this man said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this that Mary's son, the brother James and Joseph and Judas, Simon, aren't his sisters with us, and they took offense of him. But we also find in Acts 18, 1 through 3, something about Paul. Here's the man who is one of the most highly trained, educated men of his day. Trained under Gamaliel, who was the greatest scholar of all. And here he is trained, he knew the first five books of the Bible from back, he could quote Genesis, 
Esther, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy could quote it all. Knew it. But here it is. We, we find that he was not ashamed to take what God has given him. Plus, he was someone who would use his hands and to work hard. The Bible says that, that after this, Acts 18, 1 through 3, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who recently come to Italy and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them, verse 3, and because he was a what? A tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Paul was educated. Paul was the greatest apostle of all besides Peter. And here he is, somewhere hid away, sewing with his hands, making tents, cutting, tanning leather, whatever they did to make tents, and I'm sure it was hard work. Can I get an amen? And so obviously reading these verses here, we find that Jesus, he must, I'm going somewhere with this, he must have learned his skills from somebody. Being a 100% God, he he could have easily done anything, but he was also 100% man. In other words, Jesus had to learn to walk, to talk, to do everything that we do as human beings. And so in other words, he also had to have someone to teach him good work ethics. And so that tells us that his stepfather, Joseph, must have been a very well carpenter as well. In fact, I remember learning how to work, not from nobody else, but my daddy. This is teaching you guys who have children. It's your responsibility to train up that child. In other words, if you have good worth ethics, more than likely your daddy or your mama had good work ethics. You learned it from somebody. Because I remember many a summer days when all my friends were out on their bikes riding and hide and go seek, whatever else they were doing, I was pretty much up under a house dragging jacks, leveling a house, getting raw and cut from one end to the other, learning how to work hard as a boy. And it's important because the more I learned how to work hard, the more I wanted to be more pleasing to the individuals I was working for. Because my dad taught me about working hard for a living. My dad would always say, son, make them a hand. When you go to work, make them a hand. And what that means, do everything they cause you to do and even more. Are you with me this morning? In fact, our Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, of course, this is mainly talking about teaching them the ways of God according to the Scriptures, but here's what you learn by doing so. By doing so, this is what you learn. You learn to cheat. You teach your children not to be slothful or lazy. In other words, when you teach them the ways of the Bible, you teach them to be hard workers. Let me show you. Solomon, Solomon says in Proverbs 6, 6, 6, 6 through 9. 
He says, go to the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Ooh, he can preach, can he? Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider it ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, and no ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? God is saying, listen, even learn from the smallest creature, one of the smallest creatures on the entire world. Just watch him. And we can learn great lessons about how we're called to have seasons of working hard and then seasons where things are stored up. See, sometimes you have to rest. Even Jesus, after working hard, he would lay down the back of the boat and rest. So we can learn from the things around us. The things that God has given us. Now, I know this is crisis generation because last week when me and Sugar Pud and my wife, when we left here, we went to Walmart and we, we got our little buggy full of stuff. And then we got to the front and there was lines all the way out to the Halloween mask. And I wasn't going to check myself out because I get irritated with that because isn't that their job? I'm, I'm, you know, maybe if I had three items. And there's three checkers, 99 checkout aisles, but three checkers. Woo. And when I finally, I'm holding this and that, and when I finally get up there, I ask that boy, I said, son, where are the checkers? He says, sir, I'm sorry, there just ain't none. I said, there ain't none. He said, yeah, they're not only not paying enough money, but nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. And so I'm sitting in my prayer room thinking, okay, Lord, why is it that nobody wants to work? I love to work. It's hard, but it repays my heart when I go home from a good hard days of work. You know, yesterday I worked hard up there limping and whatever, but I gave it 100% but I wasn't doing it for the people. I was doing it for my father because I was thinking in my mind, do everything is working to the Lord. Yeah, I look like I was performing. Yes, this and that. But inside, God knows where my heart was. Because when you see me go down to the ground and I'm praising God, I done forgot everybody. And I get to spinning around on the stage. It ain't about nobody seeing me do that. It's all about like David. David would lose his mind to give God some glory. Come on, amen. And I, and I have that same type of spirit about me. And when I work hard and I'm doing my very best, I can go home. I can lay my head on a pillow because I've done everything as I, I could, the best I could for God. Even today, I know I'm not preaching well today, but when I go home, I did my best. I did the best I could with what I had. But here's where it all comes from. When you have a government, can I get on my soapbox? When you have a government that is filled with Christless people, and, and everybody's getting this free handout constantly, people learn to take handouts and they don't want to work because why should I work? I'm getting everything for free now. Come on, amen. And when you go to the Walmart, 
and you're looking for a handicapped parking spot and you can't find one because someone else has got it and you see when they get out of the car, they're not handicapped, they're handy fat. Oh, I'm sorry, but honestly, there's a lot of people who are not handicapped, but they're just way overweight because all they've done is sit around and do nothing and eat. Oh, I know I'm in trouble. But you know, I'm going to call it the way I see it. Like I've never went on for the popularity contest. And when you got people who are just sitting there waiting on their welfare check, and they're not willing to work, and the government's giving them government assistance for this and that, and nobody's working, they get used to it. But that's not what the Bible teaches us, are you hearing me this morning? But my Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, Whenever, when, for, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Can I bring it to where the rubber meets the road? If the government would stop giving handouts and people start getting hungry, I guarantee you, you'll find you some checkouts, checkouts at Walmart. Because when people get hungry, they're going to work or they're going to steal. And I'm sure being that this is a crisis generation, they're going to steal before they work. But at least they'd be motivated to do something. Now, I've got them on the scales. It's only fair that I get myself on the scale. This is kind of humorous because I had to put myself on the scale. Okay, I'm going to preach about people's work ethics. What about mine? I said, okay, let's, let's lay it all out there. Let's write it all out there. And so say, I worked 29, almost 30 years at Atmos Energy, and I got my retirement, but I had to take it because I broke my back, okay? I've worked 18 years as a pastor, but I've only called in sick one day. Kristen made me. Had a 103 temperature and couldn't even get out of bed. I'm going to preach. She said, lay down. Somebody else can do it for a change. I was an evangelist for five years, and I've been a musician for over 42 years, working hard. And I worked three years at Walmart unloading trucks. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I've worked 100 years. I added it all up, and I'm only 57? (laughs) What? But all these years, I worked hard as I could. I did my very best because when I got saved, I had everything change inside of me. I said, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm tired of doing this for me. I want to do this for God. Now, I've always worked good, but man, when I got saved, my work ethics went through the roof. I don't want to wag my tail too much, but I promise you, I did a very good job or whatever, and and I'm still going to continue to do a good job up here Sunday after Sunday, even though I have been permanently disabled, and and I get my disabled check. I don't have to work. I can promise you I'd rather be up here stumbling and hurting, preaching the Word of God because I'm going to help somebody because I'm doing it all for the glory of Christ. Are you with me this morning? 
But our text says, whatever you do, work it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, I'm going to give you a couple verses. These are some of my favorite verses that teaches us that we were created by God to do good works and to do everything, not to please man, but to please God. And I found that when you try to please God in what you do, you will also please the people you're working for. They say, ooh, man, he's a good worker, Sammy. Come on, amen. And that's the kind of people Sammy's looking for. If you're saved and you need a good job, go see Sammy. If you ain't saved, get saved today, then go see Sammy. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2 and 10, the Bible says, for we are God's workmanship Created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Now, now this is not just talking about doing the work of God. This is talking about everything we do, do it good. I, I don't care if you're welding, pulling wire, do it good. Man, I'm pulling wire today better than I've ever pulled wire. Come on, amen. What do you do, Colby? You're a plumber? Pipe fitar. Yes, go give me the pipe stretcher. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> there ain't one. Oh boy, looking for one on the back truck. I've looked an hour for the pipe stretcher. Galatians 1 and 10, Paul said, <laughs> Galatians 1 and 10, am I now trying to please, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I'm now trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If we're doing it to please men, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Do it to please God, and then men will be pleased. In fact, our text says that we will be rewarded for what we do. This this is a reward. We're going to be storing up treasures in heaven. Where thief cannot steal, rust cannot destroy, moth cannot eat. We're storing up treasures. And Paul tells us in Hebrews 6 and 10, God is not unjust he would not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you'd helped his people and continue to help them. In other words, we're going to be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. If you do everything for God, he's going to make sure you're going to be blessed. Your boss may not pay no attention to you. Say, so you know what? I'm working hard for nothing because no one even paying attention to what I'm doing. God's watching you. He said, I got you. And so when you get to that situation like, man, how am I going to, how am I going to pay this bill or how am I going to make this work? How am I going to get this fixed or whatever it is? All God, all of a sudden God sends that somebody. You know why? Because you did everything pleasing unto God. Come on, amen. Because he is the reward of all things. He rewards us for our hard work and labor. Yesterday, I sent an email, or not an email, but a Facebook message to the guy who put on that concert. He was kind of down. I could tell. I watched his video. He was down because all the rain. I said, man, God is going to reward you for your faithfulness. And, man, you walked in that place yesterday, and there's people everywhere. And they were happy. Come on, Amen. They didn't have all the bikes they wanted to have there, but it was still an awesome event. And so tomorrow morning, if you'll wake up with the attitude of gratitude and you begin thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm going to work today for God. I'm not going to work for man today. I'm starting today. I'm working for God. I can promise you, you will make a difference in your workplace.
I'm going to give you six reasons why we should do what we should do according to the Word of God. First of all, if we're going to do it for Christ, we got to stop arguing and complaining. Did I get in anybody's mailbox yet? Does Paul tell us in Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do everything without arguing and complaining so that you may become pure and blameless children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. In other words, when you're doing it for Christ, you don't walk in, oh, dang, God, I got, you know what I'm saying? You can't come in there with that attitude because all of a sudden you're not really doing it for him no more because you're arguing and complaining about your job. Wish somebody was here today. Hallelujah. And secondly, you're going to have to learn how to do everything in love. You're going too far, Pastor. I got to love my work. You got to do it in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in that gummit. Every time I got to fix this tanning bed, that gummit, I love it. <laughs> I'm missing church. I'm fixing a spray bed again. But I love it. Sammy says, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. And thirdly, we got to learn how to work with patience and kindness. Nothing is more irritating than walking in a store giving your hard-earned money to somebody, and they're rude. Come on, amen. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to have to talk to my bass player right quick. He's an IT guy. That that means he's got people like me on the other end who don't know nothing about computers. So when they come with you this over and over and over again and next week again, you're going to say, you know what? I'm doing this for God. I'm going to have to be patient with these idiots. Come on. Come on, amen. I'm going to have to be patient because these kids, they just don't get it. They're made in the image and in the likeness of the Father. Come on, hallelujah. Number four, we're going to have to learn how to have compassion toward others at the workplace. Zechariah 79, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. And right there when it says show justice, in other words, when they do come in late and you're in control, justice is standing on your rules. In other words, don't be lenient. Be firm. Because you learn more from someone who is firm than someone who's weak. You get a good football coach, they're going to get rough on you, but they're going to get results. A good boss is someone who will be strong and firm, and so they're going to be kind of almost like scared of you, but they're going to do a good job to please you. Y'all didn't think we were going to be learning about work ethics today, did you? Amen. Number five, working your joy, working your job with joy and no anger. 
Can't wait to get to work, baby. James 1, 19 and 20, dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Psalms 86 and 4, almost finished here. Bring joy to your servant. Lord, I put my trust in you. Bring joy to your servant. In other words, David saying, Lord, I need your joy. Sometimes the we need that joy because the Bible teaches us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you feel like you can't press on any farther and you cannot do what God's called you to do, you cry out for the joy of God. I need some joy in my life. Hallelujah. Here's where we close. Finally, we don't get caught up in the drama. <laughs> Woo. Emily worked for Ulta. That's a drama company. I walk in there, so much drama going on in there, man. Makes me want to put on makeup. <laughs> oh, man, it's a drama place, man. But, but we can't get caught up in the things of the world. People go to work only for the drama. Ain't thinking about God, ain't thinking about the money. I can't wait to talk about somebody. That, that's called what? Gossip. Listen to what Paul says. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone serving as a soldier does not get caught up, does not get involved in civilian affairs, for he wants to please his commanding officer. He does not get caught up in the affairs of the world. He wants to please his commanding officer. Let's all stand. It's always interesting to see what God's going to teach us from, from the pulpit. And, and not everything has to be about salvation. But everything has to be about God, don't it? And so what we learn, man, we learn that I got to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. I got to give to God what's for God. I learned today that, man, I got to do everything I do. If I'm learning how to drive a new boat, I got to learn how to do it for the glory of God. Come on, amen. Everything. Everything. What is your job? Currently not where, oh. Perfect. Man, guess what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to find that job. Woo. Isn't it interesting how God can hit us? Wherever we are, I have no idea when I walk through that door what God is going to say to you individual. Because everybody in this room gets a different message. Oh, he got me on that one. Oh, he got me on that one. No, I didn't got you. The word of God got you. But when it gets you, do something about it. Don't be like the man who looks at himself in the mirror and walks away and forget what he's, what he saw. Fix it. In other words, let me break it down for you. When a woman comes to the makeup mirror and her lipstick got past her lips and it's over here, she didn't say, okay, I'm going to fix that later. She goes to Walmart and her lips are over here. Come on, amen. No, no, she takes her makeup remover and she fixes it. She starts over. Come on, amen. That's what he's talking about. When you see something wrong in your life, fix it. Just fix it. 
And then when you walk out, then you're representing Christ and, and not who you were. Because in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Christ. We thank you for your message. I hope, oh Lord, that I did a good job for you, Lord, and I'm doing my very best. But Lord, there's somebody here today that needs prayer. Lord, I pray for this young individual, Lord, who's looking for not just a okay job, but a phenomenal job. Father, you are the way maker. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that you would help this young lady find the job of her dreams. Something that she can get into, something that she can work her entire rest of her life and build her a good retirement plan, something that she enjoys. And, Lord, surround her with God-fearing people. Let her day be filled with joy. Father, I just pray for every individual in here today. I pray for Caleb today. Whatever he's dealing with right now, Lord, you're able to do far and beyond what he can even ask or imagine. I pray the peace that passes all understanding upon him even now in the mighty name of Christ. Lord, I just pray for Kobe. Lord, he's trying to keep the smile and the joy on his face. But in his heart, he's hurting. He's going through so many trials and tribulations. The storms are just rising up. Lord, right now in the name of Christ, just say to him, peace be still. And let the storms calm inside of him, Lord. And let him walk out of here and just let him rest tonight. Lord, I just pray for Miss Paula right now. Lord, she's worried about a situation that is way out of her hands. Lord, how am I supposed to get my house fixed? Lord, you said you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one who provides and make a way. Now, Lord, I want to ask you in the name of Christ that right now you begin to take that burden off of her. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Take it off her shoulders even now, Lord. And let her rest in you and let her trust in you for the results in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for right now what you're doing in Brian and Denise's life, God. Lord, he's going through a great storm. He lost his mom a couple weeks ago. But now, Lord, he's, he's thinking in his head, how, how am I going to live without mama? Lord, we're not living without her. We're just living away from her just for a little while. And I remind him as a brother in Christ that it's only temporary. We'll be with her again. She was a great woman of God. I just pray in the name of Jesus for Buddy and Kathy, Lord. I just pray for their backs, their knees, and their hips in the name of Jesus. I pray healing even in their feet, hallelujah. Lord, they're doing things that I cannot do at this church. They're cleaning the outside, one of the most difficult. But, Lord, it takes strength. Lord, give them the strength, the joy in their life to do so. I pray for Skip and his family even now in the name of Jesus. I just pray that that as they get prepared for the fair this year, that you'll give them all that they need, help them in advance to be successful in the name of Christ. Father, I just lift up all the requests of these people, and I just also lift up my wife. Lord, touch her eye in the mighty name of Christ. We praise you now in Jesus' name, and God's people said amen and amen. You guys have a blessed week.